Kia ora and welcome to the Dawn Chorus. It is Friday the 29th of July. I'm Bernard Hickey and this is my daily podcast that goes out with my email newsletter on my Substack called The Kaka. And today I wanted to talk about what's been happening overnight in geopolitics and the global economy and financial markets because these things always come and get us in the end. Firstly, we have news from the US economy that it appears that it's already in recession. So in the first quarter of this year, the March quarter, there was a fall annualised of nearly 2%. And there was a fall during the quarter, so from the March, the March quarter from the December quarter as well, of just under 1%. Well, we've just gotten the numbers for the June quarter, the first estimate from the June quarter on the US economy, and it shows a fall of 0.6%. Now, that technically means that the US economies have two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, i.e. GDP has fallen for two quarters in a row. Now that is usually the technical definition of a recession. However, in the United States, they have a slightly different system for declaring something a recession. And it's a, it's a real exercise. We're talking Simon Cowell style X factor. Let's have a look at the numbers and the National Bureau of Economic Research, an official group, semi-official group, actually comes out later on and declares that was a recession. It started here and it ended there. And it is a bit weird, to, to, be, tr- to be fair, uh, to have a so-called recession going on when you've got unemployment of 3.6% in the United States. So... The U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen and the U.S. Federal Reserve Chair Jerome Powell have both in the last day said they don't actually think there's a recession going on. Now, this has been welcomed by financial markets. You may ask why? Surely a recession is a bad thing. Certainly it shouldn't be good for company profits, although it's sort of amazing in the last two or three years that US companies, particularly the global tech companies, have actually continued growing their profits through all this economic carnage we've seen, in part because they've been able to increase their profit margins, many of which have uh, increased, particularly in the last year, as some companies were able to increase their prices more than the increase in costs that they saw. Those companies with market power have been able to do it. Put that aside, which of course investors do keep an eye on because ultimately it is profits and dividends and the market valuations of companies that matter, not so much the economy. And of course, we increasingly seem to see a disconnect between asset values and actual economic growth and uh, total wages. However, that aside, financial markets quite like it when they see interest rates fall. And of course, the big concern for the last year or so has been that interest rates are going to have to rise quite far and fast to clamp down on the inflation that has broken out over the last year. Remember, US consumer price inflation ran at 9.1% in the June quarter. That is way off the reservation. 2% is where it's supposed to be. And the Fed, in theory, is supposed to be 
keeping inflation around 2%, although it also has a dual mandate, which is to maximise full employment. So it's got the full employment thing, pretty much. It certainly missed the inflation thing. And so everyone's been talking about the Fed having to hike interest rates real quick. And of course, we saw uh, the Fed do that to an extent this week, putting up the um, their version of the official cash rate by 75 basis points to a range of 225 to 2.5%. And up until recent weeks, financial markets have been assuming the Fed will have to put up its official cash rate, the Fed funds rate, to more like 4%. And some of the more aggressive forecasters have been saying even higher than that. Now, that's a problem if you're a stock market investor, because when that happens, it suddenly becomes more attractive for other investors to put their money aside into a bank account or just to hold it in cash because you're getting a pretty decent yield. Assuming, of course, it's a real yield that you care about. Uh, if you've still got high inflation, it's it's uh, nowhere near good enough. However, uh, that aside, when you think that interest rates are falling, that's good news for asset prices. And so the expectations that we're already in some sort of recession or we're going to have a recession soon has seen expectations of global interest rates pulled back. And that's been good for stock markets. So this morning we saw the NASDAQ, uh, which is the most risk-sensitive, tech-heavy part of the global stock markets, that actually rose another percent or two. And we saw the S&P 500, the main measure of global stocks, that also rose about a percent or so, depending on which time of the day you were looking at it. Now, that's on top of big increases we saw the previous day, Wednesday night. Again, because the... U.S. Federal Reserve is seen to be softening, pivoting away from a hardline approach on inflation to perhaps a bit more of a slower effect. And if you're looking for a bit more detail on that, have a look, listen to yesterday's podcast. So um, bad news is good news for financial markets. The U.S. economy seems to be in recession And the various measures or leading indicators of recession, and the main one we look at is the so-called yield curve, which is a very simple measure, which is looking at the yield for the 10-year Treasury bond minus the yield for the two-year Treasury bond. And what that says, in effect, is that investors are not worried about inflation at all. In fact, they're probably more worried about recession, or at least expecting recession. And that means that interest rates further out are lower than the ones close at hand. And whenever we've had an inverted yield curve in the US Treasuries market, we almost always had a recession soon after. So it's seen as a very reliable leading indicator of recession. And for the last month or two, it has been inverted or negative. And uh, we didn't see that change today. So uh, the flashing signals in financial markets are there is going to be a recession in the United States. Last night, it looked like we got the first technical signs that it's actually already in recession, despite 3.6% unemployment. And so that's um, cheered up people on stock markets. Now, what else is happening to uh, brighten up our Friday afternoons or mornings? That is uh, news on the geopolitical front, which is not thrilling. Uh, Last night, Joe Biden and 
Xi Jinping had their first proper phone call since March. Remember, uh, this was right in the immediate wake of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Things were a bit tense. Well, they've gotten tenser since because in the background, you may not have heard this, but it's, it's brewing. The US congressional leader, the um, Speaker of the House of Parliament, Nancy Pelosi, who has quite a different role than Trevor Millard has here. She essentially is number three in the pecking order in the United States. It goes President, Vice President, Speaker of the House. And Nancy Pelosi is a Democrat, of course, so in theory she is uh, in the same, on the same side as Joe Biden. And in theory, Joe Biden should be able to say to her, hey, Nancy, uh, if you go to Taiwan, which was her plan to go to Taiwan, this is going to really upset the Chinese, and we, we could do without the grief right now. Well, uh, Nancy Pelosi, of course, is an independent character, and there's a whole bunch of people in Congress who are real China hawks. They're not thrilled with what China's doing in Xinjiang and don't like it when it appears that the Chinese leader, Xi Jinping, is telling them what to do. So the risk is that Nancy Pelosi jumps on a plane next month to Taiwan, which, of course, would freak out the Chinese because they have this view that Taiwan is theirs, and anyone who recognises Taiwan as an independent country is uh, breaking this idea that uh, mainland China has of itself that uh, Taiwan is actually part of China. It's not a completely separate country. This is called the One China Policy, which most large companies, most large countries and companies have adhered to for decades, which is this weird sort of... Um, nod, nod, wink, wink. Yeah, we don't recognise Taiwan as an independent country, but we're quite happy to trade with them. And uh, uh, But we won't visit them, and uh, we don't want to piss off the Chinese too much, so uh, we'll keep um, believing in this fiction that Taiwan is a completely separate country. The problem comes when if leaders, you know, jump on a plane and go and shake hands with leaders of Taiwan. That really really gets the Chinese uh, hackles up. So if Pelosi arrives in Taiwan next month, just keep an eye on this, because uh, there's various people warning that this could be, you know, another quite tense geopolitical situation between China and America. As bad as a bit of a standoff there was in the South China Sea in 2012, when things got very tense. So... Brilliant. Just what we need on the geopolitical front. But wait, there's more. So last night, the um, North Korean leader, Kim Jong-un, remember him, came out and said that the United States and South Korea were pushing the Korean Peninsula to the brink of nuclear war. Now, the background here is that uh, for a long time, the US and Korean militaries have wanted to have a proper big exercise where they drive their tanks all around South Korea and point them at the at the border with North Korea and it, it really makes the North Koreans grumpy. And so uh, the last time they did it actually was in 2018. They were going to have a really big show of force. And then Donald Trump said, oh, just back off, guys. I'm about to have this great big summit with Kim Jong-un. So um, there really hasn't been a big version of these big military exercises for a long time. And of course, for the last couple of years, they've been doing their exercises on Zoom 
or whatever is the very encrypted version of Zoom that militaries use. And, and so now there's going to be, in theory, a big military exercise next month. And now North Korea is saying, you do that, we're going to be very unhappy. Now, the North Koreans, of course, are prone to these incredibly inflammatory uh, series of statements which don't necessarily end in a bomb going off. But, you know, uh, we think that uh, nothing ever happens in Korea until it actually does. And uh, it's, it's not good when Kim Jong-un comes out and says um, we will uh, react with uh, nuclear Armageddon. Now, of course, nothing may happen. It all may be fine. The military exercises may happen. And maybe this is all just for domestic consumption inside North Korea and because uh, nuance is not a thing in North Korean propaganda. But, um, again, it's worth keeping an eye on. August looks like a, an ugly month in East Asia. So, um, what does this all mean? What, is this, uh, uh, what are these collections of news about the geopolitics and financial markets mean for the things that matter in New Zealand's economy, which is interest rates and house prices? So you've got to remember that mortgage rates, particularly fixed mortgage rates here, are very much dependent on what's happening in the global economy with inflation, with growth, and what central banks are doing with their short-term interest rates, and what financial markets think will happen with longer-term interest rates. So uh, let's say you're thinking about a one- or a two-year fixed mortgage rate. The thing to really watch is what's happening with the global economy and what the US Federal Reserve is doing and the European Central Bank and all of those things. So for a good six to 12 months, all of the noise has been about this unexpectedly high inflation and how central banks will have to clamp down on it with very high interest rates. And that, of course, has meant that longer term interest rates, market interest rates, have risen. And that's why we've seen our one and two year fixed mortgage rates go from just over 2% to you know just over 5%. And at one stage, looked like they were headed for 6%. And some of those very long term mortgage rates, the five years and, and the likes, are over 5%. Now, that has uh, surprised a few people. And, of course, the noise you'll hear from front pages and around is that interest rates are rising and we've got the major inflation problem and we haven't got it under control yet. Well, the noise from these financial markets overseas is that, actually, we don't have to worry about inflation anymore because global economies are going into or near recession for all sorts of reasons, including these wars and COVID and the likes. And therefore, the Federal Reserve and our Reserve Bank won't have to push up interest rates quite as much as we all thought they were. And that means that those longer-term wholesale interest rates, and in New Zealand, they're called the swaps, they have actually been falling for the last month or so. And that was reflected in a slight reduction in fixed mortgage rates, the one- and two-year rates, by most of the banks a couple of weeks ago. And um, you'd have to think that all of this noise about recession and falling inflation through the rest of the year and into next year, we'll see mortgage rates, rates at least stop rising and potentially start falling, particularly into next year. So what does this all mean for house prices? Because remember, in New Zealand, it's so important what's happening with the housing market. I have a joke which not many other people in economic circles love hearing, but I still think it's true, increasingly true. We have a housing market with bits tacked on. We don't have a real economy. So the thing to watch is what's happening with house prices and interest rates. And I've actually thought this for about 20 years, but uh, it seems to be coming more and more true as we go along. So if interest rates are falling next year, 
and National are still expected to win the next election, which probably will be sometime between September and November. And Christopher Luxon manages to keep that lead uh, over Labour in the polls. That is going to change expectations about house prices at the same time as we're seeing mortgage rates, at least not rising and probably coming down. Because National has promised to reverse the interest serviceability rules, uh, reverse the extension of the uh, a bright line test, and soften the healthy homes rules, all of which have made rental property less attractive for landlords. It's also likely, if it gets into government, to freeze a whole bunch of new infrastructure investments, which would have underpinned new housing supply growth, and would also probably put on hold Kainga Ora's big build programme. So on both the demand and the supply sides, you'd see signals going to the markets, particularly towards the middle to end of next year, if National remains ahead of the polls, and if mortgage rates are falling, signals that say the current falling house prices, and remember they're, they're forecast to fall about 15% from their peak in November last year. And I have to say, we're probably towards the end of that fall, 10 to 15% is where houses, house prices, particularly in the big cities, have already fallen. And that would mean by uh, late this year, early next year, you'd be starting to see some markets house prices bouncing again. Now that all depends of course on National staying ahead of the polls and Christopher Luxon not shooting himself in the toes and having no feet left by the time we get into election season. And I have to say, uh, the more and more I see of Christopher Luxon's performance, the more I think he has not got the John Key, Teflon John touch when it comes to gaffes and uh, accidentally saying things in public he shouldn't and doing things he shouldn't. Uh, it's very early days and people are pretty grumpy with the government and probably aren't watching this stuff too closely. But around the Beltway, at least, um, some of the shine is going off Christopher Luxon. We'll see. Uh, it all depends on the polls. So what does this all mean? What should you be watching if you're trying to keep ahead of the curve? Key things to watch are what's happening with the global economy, what's happening with global inflation, what the central banks are doing, what's happening with the political opinion polls here, and what's happening with uh, what our own central bank is doing. So, there we have it. The current update on where we are in geopolitics and the global economy, and what it means for us here in uh, Aotearoa New Zealand's economy and politics and um, society. Because remember, what I do here at the Kaka is take all this information in, try to pass it into a useful set of uh, descriptions of what's going on with a lens that looks at all these things through the, uh, through the um, key issues of housing unaffordability, climate change in action, and child poverty reduction. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was the Dawn Chorus for... Friday the 29th of July. Thanks again to our paid subscribers to the Kaka who make all of this possible and a reminder to them of course that at midday today we have the Ask Me Anything where you can jump on to a thread that I send out as an email and you are able to jump in and ask me anything and I'll try and answer it in an hour between midday and one 
And then at five o'clock, we have our regular weekly hmm, uh, a webinar uh, in which co-host Peter Bale and I take a lap around the world of news and uh, have a bit of a laugh for an hour to lighten things up. And we sometimes have special guests uh, and I'll um, send you all an invite before five o'clock with a link to that, uh, that webinar. And it's also, the link is also in the um, email as well. Ka kite anō.